Our deepest desire is to know that we are worthy, worthy of loving and being loved. This podcast explores how to love, how to love fiercely, and how to be guided by the heart and trust in the most powerful energy in the universe, love. Our task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within ourselves that we have built against it. Welcome to What Would Love Do? Thanks for listening. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to episode 15 of What Would Love Do? So today I thought I'd share something a little bit more personal, and I'm going to share with you what I learned from my divorce. I'm going to share nine things that I learned from being divorced and how being divorced was like the best wake-up call for me when it came to understanding myself, understanding what I wanted from a relationship and also being able to create the space and awareness on what it takes to be in a a beautiful relationship and create um, an amazing relationship. So, um, So the thing is, here's what I was really clear about once when I, when I, you know, when I was going through the divorce, it's that no one gets married wanting to get divorced. You know, we are all, you know, on this plane called humanity and what we're seeking is to be seen, to be heard, to be understood. We're all seeking that connection. We're all seeking that experience of what it is to love and feel loved. So no matter where we're at, whether we're in a relationship that is challenging, whether we're not in a relationship, um, and whether we're in a relationship that's amazing and magical and divine and delicious, you know, ultimately what we're seeking is where is that thing to be seen, to be heard, to be loved, and to be understood and give love, right? And so that was what I was really clear about. Um you know, when my marriage ended. And so when the marriage ended, I was not interested in the blame game, like who did what, why did it happen, etc. Because that doesn't, you know, that doesn't solve anything. And it doesn't change anything. And it doesn't move anything. But what I was really interested in was looking at my behaviors and looking at my beliefs on and on and understanding how I contributed to the divorce and then I could learn from that. I was really interested in being able to uncover subconscious beliefs, subconscious behaviors that contributed to the outcome. And also I was interested in my own peace of mind. Like peace of mind is priceless. You can't put a price on your peace of mind and your experience of being connected to yourself. So I knew that if I went down that path of blaming and being resentful and um, being angry, that what it costed me, what it would cost me is my peace of mind. And what it also would cost me is being able to move forward. That's not to say that I wasn't upset. That's not to say that I wasn't disappointed and, you know, I could go through all those emotions and all those spaces. Um except I took accountability and responsibility for what I was going through. Um, 
because I was really interested in being able to live a life that's magical and being interested in going, you know what, I actually am really clear that I want to be in an amazing relationship. I'm really clear that I want to be in a loving relationship. And obviously what I've been doing isn't that. So let me be, you know, let me take myself on. Let me confront my demons and, uh, you know, put myself on the line for shifting, yeah, and changing and transforming. So I want to share with you nine things that I've learned the divorce and I'm only I mean I've learned so much from that but I'm choosing the number nine because it's my favorite number (laughs) so the first thing that I really learned was that to be able to be in a divine and delicious relationship we've got to create the space of worthiness and we've got to know that we are worthy and I think I've shared in the previous podcast that once the divorce happened or the separation happened, I actually realized that I was a common denominator in all my relationships and they ended all in pretty much the same way. Um, So then, you know, I only had myself to be accountable for that. And what I learned was that in all of these relationships, I just really felt unworthy and I felt that I wasn't enough and that I was waiting for them to leave me anyway and I was waiting for them to cheat. And if I could actually take, you know, responsibility that I was creating that circumstance um yeah it it really shifted because yeah so the thing was that I really learned that to be in a delicious and amazing and magical relationship know that I'm worthy of one and so that was so I learned quickly to create the space of worthiness of being loved and allowing another to love me for who I am and also being worthy to give love and know that that love that I'm giving is enough and there's nothing that's missing from it and to know that that love um, is accepted wholeheartedly without judgment and inside of this lesson I also learned oh my gosh, like if I could give love to another human being without it being judged and accepted, how humbling would that be, right? Because as a human being, where we find most joy is when we're giving love. And if we can give love to another human being and they create that space to accept love without any judgment, without condemning it, without kind of feeling like it's not enough, wow, that's that's a gift to me. That's a gift that they're giving me so that, I don't know, that it just created this sense of gratitude and being humbled by it and being so moved that my love that I'm giving is enough and that I'm worthy to receive love. So that was one of the really first, I guess, remarkable transformation transformations and shifts in my mindset that I learned from my divorce that I learned from the divorce. Um, the other thing that I learned was any kind of attachment, expectation, judgment, and thinking that the other person should be some way or imposing my view of life and being that arrogant that I think I know the way on how to live life and how they should be causes disconnection. This actually causes a disruption to any kind of relationship. So if I had an attachment or an expectation or judgment or blueprint on how my partner should be and what is right versus what is wrong, like all of that, you know, um, just creates disconnection. It doesn't, those behaviours don't contribute to a loving relationship. If anything, they contribute to a destructive relationship. So um, 
in the relationship with John and I, one of the first things that I promised him right probably within the first month is I promise I'll never make you wrong. And if I do, you call me on it. So we don't, we have this thing in our relationship where we don't, I guess, hold being right or being wrong as important because that just doesn't do anything, you know, um, that creates, yeah, that it doesn't honor the relationship when you're trying to be right and proving the other person wrong or you're dictating what's good and what's bad. Um, not saying that we don't, we are always aligned in our thinking when, you know, there are things that challenge us. However, we come from a space on thinking, well, what is going to work for us? What will create workability? What will create expansion? What will create growth? What will create connection rather than I'm right, you're wrong. Um, this is how it should be. This is what's good. That's what's bad. Like, you know, so attachment to a point of view or expectations that we place on another and judgments, yeah, it just doesn't it doesn't honor what it takes to cultivate an amazing relationship. And I think the access to that is knowing that we're all doing the best that we can and that we're work in progress and that we're we're human beings and that I don't know any better than another human being. You know, I I, I don't. Um, I'm still learning and we're all still learning. And in adopting that kind of beginner's mind, in adopting that real space of, um, I guess, innocence is where we can let go of the attachments, the expectations and the judgments that we place on the person that we're loving um, and that we're in relationship with. And knowing that, you know, it doesn't honour relationships when we're doing attachments, expectations and judgments and doing the shoulds and having these conditions. Um, There's a book by a philosopher called Krishnamurti and the book's called Think on These Things and I remember reading it when I was 25 and there's this line in it and it said, we love conditionally not unconditionally and you know it talked about unconditional love and how unconditional love is what it is that we all want yet we place conditions on our love and we place conditions in our relationships and when I read that at 25 you know there was this example that he gave where he said could you still love another if they cheated on you or had an affair and if you were loving them unconditionally yes you could and if you, you know, said, no, because you did this thing, I'm going to take my love away, that is then conditional love. And it really got me thinking, you know, how to, you know, like this this realm of unconditional love is what we're all seeking, but it takes practice. It actually really takes conscious awareness to it and an expansiveness of your heart to be able to get there and give that Um so when I read that, it really got me, you know, and going through the divorce, it got me thinking about the, I guess, subconscious attachments and expectations and judgments that I placed, um, which caused disconnection in the relationship. So, you know, I learned, yeah, like I really learned after the divorce that what I really wanted and what I truly believed in was this realm of unconditional love and it takes practice. You know, it takes really letting go of attachments, expectations and judgments and thinking that I know better um, as much as that 
could be fun, but no, I don't know better, right, uh, to be able to craft a magical and delicious relationship. And it just makes it so much more honourable, right? You bring reverence to the relationship. So the third thing that I learned is that truly there's nothing more important than being your authentic self, you know. We're all unique. There's 7 billion people on this planet and we're all unique. We all have... We all have a purpose that we want to fulfill on. Our heart expresses love differently. So I really, I learned that I'd rather be my authentic self and live from my heart and trust my purpose. And if I'm in a relationship that that person can see me for who I am and that I have the courage to show up for who I am rather than who I think I need to be because I think, you know, up until that point, I was trying to be someone else that I thought I needed to be so that I could be in a relationship. However, yeah, it just doesn't work. And so I created uh, a lot of clarity on who I am, what I stand for, and I questioned every belief that I had about relationships and questioned beliefs about myself and, um, you know, it was it's really liberating when you can show up in the world as yourself and that um i you know i used to have these comments that i'm too much or i'm too this or i'm too that and and so then i'd kind of like dull it down or um and so then I thought I had to be this other person to be accepted, to be loved and to get validation. However, that's really suffocating. I, And so th- when the divorce happened, I was like, no longer am I going to prescribe to or create these ideals on who I needed to be, to be loved, to be validated, to be approval, because the only person that I need validation and approval from is myself. And um, when I can be liberated from needing approval from others and now look that's not to say that I subconsciously don't go down that path because I do but I can bring awareness to it now and then break free from that uh, that yearning and that craving Uh, but ultimately one of the most important lessons I learned is that there's you know it's so important to be your authentic self and to show up as yourself because that's that's courage that's liberation that's daring to live from a wholehearted space and only when you have that connection to yourself and that clarity within yourself, can you even have the access to creating an amazing and powerful relationship because it's the authentic you that's in that relationship now, not someone that you think you need to be. And when you're showing up in a relationship of thinking that you need to be a certain way, that, you know, it, the relationship might be magical for for only so long and then the, the cracks start showing because, you know, you, you feel like you're, you're suffocating your heart and that's, yeah, that's hard. Like that's it's hard when you feel like you're suffocating your heart and it's hard when you feel like you're suffocating um, who you want to show up as in the world. So the fourth thing that I learned, the fourth thing that I learned is that nothing is personal. Like I said in the beginning, no one gets married and thinking, hey, I'm going to get divorced, right, where all seeking that connection, we're all seeking to be loved, to be seen, to be heard, to be understood, to give love. And when there is a breakdown in the relationship or when there's conflict or when there's misalignment, it's never personal. Like, you know, your partner 
isn't waking up going, hey, I want to make that other person's life hell. And if they are, it is not personal to you. It's because they are feeling like they're living in hell and they're suffocated and they're stuck and they're hurting and they are suffering. So nothing is personal. Like absolutely, you know, um, it's it's hard, right? Like when you're in the relationship, you can't help but feel like it is personal because if they love you, they wouldn't do certain things. And if they love you, um, they wouldn't be a certain way except it has nothing to do with love. You know, there's love and then there's the person that is needing to evolve and grow. And so, uh, like, you know, nothing is personal is one of the agreements from Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Four Agreements, which is life-changing when I read it. And I truly believe that nothing is personal. Like, people are living in their own world and when they're hurting they can only know how to throw out hurt and when they are suffering they only know how to live from a place of suffering um so yeah like you know I just I think when we really get that nothing is personal in our relationships we're giving that freedom to ourselves to be able to create connection in times of disconnection and we can bring compassion and love to our partner and equally we can then create also the space um for our partner to create compassion and kindness to us when we're hurting. And when we actually know that nothing is personal, you know, you're having a different kind of conversation now. You know, you're you're taking accountability for your reactions. You're taking accountability and responsibility for your, your energy and what you're bringing to the relationship. So say, for example, if I'm upset or I'm reacting, I can then go, hey, you know what, it's not personal to my partner or to, to John, but it's, you know, what it, I, I can then start bringing awareness and questioning, okay, why am I reacting? What is it that, you know, what belief have I bought into or what is being challenged right now? I'm actually questioning myself rather than, than John. And so, and if John, my husband, is now reacting or, you know, saying something I don't agree with, um, I don't hear it as a personal attack. I can then come from a place of curiosity and wonderment and asking the questions that is needed so that we can then create connection rather than more disconnection so that one thing of nothing is personal is like life-changing in relationships it alters the way that you have conversations and it alters the way on how uh, two people can grow through conflict um, the other thing that I learned is that every opportunity in a relationship presents um, presents you two choices. It presents an, a choice of either choosing love or choosing fear. So choosing to expand your heart or choosing to contract. You can either have a choice to live from love or live from fear. So whenever there's you know, when, when things are great, it's really easy to be great with one another, right? But when things are not so great, when things are challenging, when things are, you know, uh, your values are being challenged and when there's disconnection or a misalignment of the vision that we're living, um, there's always a choice to be able to connect in a loving and respectful manner in times of conflict. And I think learning on how to resolve conflict in a loving manner and learning to have beautiful conflicts is the mastery of um, having and cultivating an incredible relationship. 
And we owe it to ourselves to master this. We owe it to ourselves so that we can create that kind of connection, that delicious relationship that we all are longing for and we all are worthy of. So whenever there's a disconnection between like John and I, we have this ritual which I absolutely love and um, I'm so proud that we've created this this space for one another. Um, and, look, it's challenging, right, like because the last thing you want to do when you're having a disagreement with another human being or you're not seeing eye to eye is finding that space and that capacity within yourself to expand your heart because you're feeling threatened. And it's not that you're feeling threatened. It's that inner child that's feeling threatened. It's that experience of they don't love me. It's that experience of I'm not worthy or I'm not enough that's feeling threatened. And so you got to, like, you know, and being even aware of that is liberating. Being aware of that is one step closer to being able to make a conscious choice on how to create beautiful conflict, on how to be loving in times of uh, disagreements. Um, so one of the things, a practice that John and I have is, well, one, we understand the triggers of each other. So for me, when I'm triggered, one, I do not like voices being raised. I just can't. You know, it's just one of those things I just don't like fighting and I don't like having voices raised and I don't like arguments and, um, you know, it's just one of those things that trigger me because, yeah, I, I grew up in a household where my parents were constantly fighting and um, so for me in resolving conflict it needs to be in a really loving manner. Otherwise I just have this thing where I stonewall. Um, so if you – there's this beautiful – Sorry, I digress, but Dr. Gottman um, is a psychologist and he deals with a lot of, he, you know, he talks a lot about relationships and he calls these, like there's four horsemen that actually contributes to the demise of a relationship and one of them is stonewalling, right? So I knew that I did that a lot in my previous relationship. So with John, I said to him, okay, it's going to take me something to learn not how to stonewall. And what stonewalling is, is that when there's conflict that arises, you kind of like shut down. So I was just one of those human beings where if something was hard to deal with, my reaction was just to shut down. I couldn't talk about it. I didn't know how to talk about it. However, being with John, I've learned to open up a lot more and be okay with being able to be vulnerable and share how I feel, which is so important. So um, when we have times of conflict, I can understand my trigger and he also knows what my trigger is. And then, you know, I then ask myself the question, what would love do? So this is the reason why I created this podcast, to be able to really understand the mechanics of love. And, um, you know, I believe that love is also a muscle and love is a choice and that, you know, the more that we can bring awareness to what is loving versus what is fear, we can create a really different world. Um, so when you are faced with conflict and a disagreement, you are really presented with an opportunity to expand or to live from fear. And you can create these habits or these boundaries around yourself and in your relationship. So one of the things that we do is, okay, so let's say there's tension or let's say there's something that is really difficult that we're facing at the moment we don't wait for the other person to go up. Like, you know, it takes 
it will be either me or John going up to each other, holding each other's hands, looking at each other in the eye and saying, I hate that we're feeling like this and I hate that we are like this and I love you and I love you and this is just something that we've got to work through and this is something that, um, you know, we're learning about and this is something that we're going through and admitting that, yeah, like it sucks being in like, like being in this state. It sucks that we're disconnecting. However, it's an opportunity for growth. It's an opportunity to evolve and we are mastering choosing to live from love, choosing to expand our heart, choosing to honour our relationship instead of dishonour it and going down the path of the ego and taking it so personally and reacting from a personal space. So I love that. I love, I, I think relationships are a spiritual journey. You know, the highest form of relationships is that they teach you something about yourself and that they give you an, a real opportunity to expand your heart and to choose to live from love and choose how do you honor yourself in a relationship. Um, so yeah, that's something that I really learned that every opportunity presents itself with two choices to choose to live from love or choose to live from fear. And there's no, there's no right or wrong. And, you know, sometimes we may react from a fear space, but it's then acknowledging that learning from that, um, and then growing from that and knowing that the next time we can choose a better reaction because, Hey, when you know better, you do better. Right. And so, uh, yeah, just bringing compassion and awareness to that is really important. So the other thing that I learned was this, my partner cannot make me happy. Very early on in our relationship, I said to John, you know what, you cannot make me happy. My happiness is not in your hands. I'm accountable and I'm responsible for my own happiness. And equally, you are responsible and accountable for your own happiness. And we are two beings that are coming together to create the space of sharing our happiness and joy with one another and sharing our sorrows and sufferings and learning from that with one another. However, if I'm feeling down or I'm feeling disappointed, like I'm accountable for my energy, I'm accountable for my feelings, like you can't actually do anything to you know, make me angry. You know, a lot of <laughs> the reason why I, I think this is so important and so liberating is that, you know, your partner cannot make you sad. Your partner cannot make you angry. They're not, if they had that power, they would actually want to always make you happy because if we love someone, we want them to be happy. We want them to be joyful. But the thing with emotions and feelings is that we're 100% accountable for them. And the quicker we can learn this and the quicker we can understand this, the freer and more liberated we are in our relationships because we're not giving power over to an external circumstance. We're not giving power to an external person, even if it is our partner, to help us feel the way that we want to feel because it's impossible, you know, Um I think the idea of a magical and a magical and divine and delicious relationship is to create space so that we're bringing awareness to our feelings, to our emotions, and growing from that. Um, you know, because yeah, like it really is 
kind of ridiculous when we place this burden on another human being to say, hey, you made me sad, you made me angry, and therefore you owe it to me to make me happy and make me create joy. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't work that way, if only, right? However, if we can go, hey, you know, when I experience happiness, I want to be able to share that with you. And should you create the space and generosity to be inspired by that, awesome, we can create this together. And when I feel sorrow or when I am suffering, I would love to be able to have the courage and vulnerability to open up to you and uh, you be able to I entrust that you can hear it from a space of love and a space of, um, I don't know, compassion rather than taking it on as yours to fix. You know, the thing with human beings is we want to feel empowered rather than fixed, right? Have you ever been in a situation where you're sharing with another person something you're going through and you're sharing it with them so that, you know, you can be seen and heard and understood rather than them coming back to you with advice and helping you and changing you and fixing you? It's so frustrating, right? And um, I think in one of my episodes that I shared about when I was dealing with depression and anxiety and I was going through like that self-harm phase, like that's where I really, that's where I learned that, you know, no human being wants to feel fixed, like they're invalidated and that they they aren't um, adequate to be able to deal with what's going on. We want to be able to be in a space of feeling empowered that we're okay who we are and where we are at and there's and whilst yes we are in this space of despair if we can learn to us like you know if another person we don't have to I guess try and accommodate for someone else dealing with our despair it's frustrating when we have to when we're feeling this way and we just want to share it with someone that we trust um we want them just to hold space, to hold space, to be able to have the courage to hear it for what it is rather than um, having to think that they need to fix us or deal with something. Because if you're feeling like you need to fix or make someone feel better, um, you're not really seeing the opportunity. You're not seeing the opportunity that they just want to connect with you. Um, so, yeah, I feel like that's one of the things that I learned in having gone through a divorce is that my partner doesn't my partner can't make me happy and my partner cannot make me sad or angry and that's really liberating because it I think then it creates space to bring respect and honor in the relationship um the other thing that I learned was to be able to create a safe space like I always ask myself am I creating a safe space for John to show up whether it's in fatherhood whether it's as a husband whether it's as a human being that he's growing and evolving am I creating that safe space because we can only be vulnerable and show up with courage and show up as our authentic self if we know that there's a safe space if we know that our partner isn't going to judge us if we know that um they are wholeheartedly loving us for where we are at, wherever we are at. Um, so the safe space is really important. And I always ask John to create a safe space as well. So, um, And he is incredible at that. So we learned early on to create a safe space for one another in our relationship. So the other thing that I learned was holding another accountable and having the courage um, I think remarkable relationships are crafted and created and it takes consciousness, it takes awareness and it takes attention. You know, 
uh, what you put your focus on expands. And so if we're constantly focusing on how to create this magical relationship, how to create a delicious relationship that's divine and uh, worthy of love and worthy of acceptance, we have to be able to hold one another accountable when we aren't putting in that energy, when we aren't putting in that focus. Um, and it's scary having these relate like these conversations. And, you know, I know, um, you know, when I say holding another accountable, it's things like being able to, you know, say to John, hey, I'm not like, even though you are not responsible <laughs> for me feeling loved, I don't feel loved and I'm feeling neglected or I'm feeling that I'm, I'm feeling like we're, we're not connecting and I'm feeling as though uh, we're dropping the ball on our connection. Then I'll ask him, like, how do you feel? Because predictably, if I'm feeling disconnection and I'm feeling as though there's um, separation between us, then he's feeling the same way. And that's something that I remind myself, like if one person's suffering predictably the other person's suffering if one person's feeling disconnection the other person's feeling disconnection as well so constantly being able to have the courage to hold one another accountable so the thing is every few months I might ask him hey on a scale of one to ten how loved do you feel one being I don't feel loved ten being I feel loved and every almost every second night if not most nights I actually ask him you know are you loved are you feeling like are you feeling honored? Are you feeling appreciated? Um, do you feel that I'm taking you for granted? Um, and when he asks me the questions, I will actually tell him if I am feeling disconnected, if I am feeling unloved or unacknowledged or unappreciated. And then we, you know, when you know where your starting point is, you can then do something about it. And these conversations are kind of scary because, you know, we've been together for um, eight years now. And I think in the beginning, it's almost like um, you're, I, I think you're more open to having these courageous and vulnerable relationships, uh, to vulnerable conversations. And as you get older, or not really as you get older, maybe that's something that I've made up. But as you go along, like you're, you're scared kind of to open up and um, really like there's this, you know, I guess also having a child, like these these conversations matter even more because there's no way that we want to be able to have a relationship that isn't amazing and magical and extraordinary, especially when we, we have a child. And, you know, one of the things that I said to John is that our relationship comes before parenting uh, and not many people agree with this. I believe that this is important because the biggest gift and the greatest gift that you can give your child is showing them how you love one another um yes yeah, so the thing that I learned is being able to hold one another accountable and having the courage to have these you know confronting conversations so that you you have something to work with and then you can grow from that so the last thing that I'm going to share about what I learned is that magical divine and delicious relationships start from this place of wholeness it starts from you knowing that you are whole it starts from being interested in being your own best friend having a deep understanding of yourself and having a great relationship to yourself first because if you don't have a great relationship to yourself in terms of understanding your authentic self in terms of understanding 
you know, what makes you tick, what makes you empowered, um, understanding what your barriers are, understanding what it is that you're still stopped by and having compassion for that. You know, you can't create that space in your relationship for these things to show up. And rather than the relationship becomes something that is trying to fill a void or trying to fit into an ideal or a blueprint that you have for your life rather than being an expression. So wholeness is what I learned really quickly after the divorce. And you can only feel worthy and you can only feel enough if there's an experience of wholeness within yourself. Now, when I say whole, I don't mean perfection. I don't mean that you've got it all figured out. But wholeness is this space of just acceptance, you know, and um, compassion and kindness within yourself and being really interested in going, hey, here is where I'm at and um, loving myself for wherever it is that I'm at in life and not judging my past, not judging what I've done, not judging... Yeah, just not judging, I guess, um, my life. And there are things that I've done that I'm not proud of and there are things that I, you know, wish I could have been better at. However, just when I could look at it and go, hey, um, you know, look at it from a place of wisdom and learning, I'm not judging myself anymore. And I used to – so I met John just before I turned 30 and I remember thinking the first 30 years of my life were like the 30 years where I could make all the mistakes that I could make and I learned from them and I just loved turning 30 because it was almost as though being 30, so I'm like, what, 37 now? Am I 37? Yeah, I'm 37 now. So I was like, oh, you know, the first 30 years were like, you know, the mistakes and that's awesome because all the mistakes that I needed to make, and I'm sure I'll make more mistakes, but the, the pivotal mistakes, the life defining life-changing wake-up calls were done you know I'm done now and now the next 30 years are a crafted expression the next 30 years are going to be about transformation about living from love versus living from fear because seriously I think for the first 30 years of my life it was all about living from fear like living from this idea of perfection living from this idea of what I needed to be to get love and who I, who I thought I needed to be to be approved and validated and all of that stuff. It was so tiring. It was so, so tiring. And so now like the last, you know, the last seven years have been incredible. I've never felt more in tune with who I am, who I'm growing to be, more in touch with my heart and just really embracing the imperfections and seeing that from a space of wholeness Um and you can only give what you have and you can only receive that which you understand. So the dynamics of what creates a remarkable relationship really depends on this, depends on this space of wholeness, depends on this space of understanding self-love, self-discovery and being invested in that. And, you know, there's when I when John and I first got together, I would ask him these questions like, you know, do you feel like, you know, do you feel wholeness within yourself? Do you feel, you know, wh wh what's your relationship to yourself like? And I think he is one of the very few human beings that I have met in my entire life who is so at peace with himself and I love it and that's something that I learned from him to really be at peace with where he's at and know that life is this journey of creating and evolving. And um, he, he said this thing to me really early on, which is like, 
life is meant to be effortless. You know, it is effortless and it is about flow. Um, and at that stage in life, I think for me, I prescribed to the idea of like um, I was really results-driven and I was, yeah, you know, it was just I was very alpha. Um, and so what I've learned from him is to have to integrate this ease and peace and flow in life, which is really cool. And I can honestly say that, you know, there's this level of wholeness that I feel within myself that I've never yeah, that it continuously grows and expands and it's it's really remarkable. And I think when we have this incredible relationship to ourselves um, and we're in tune with our wholeness, we trust our intuition a lot more. We can show up as our authentic self and we are really respectful of what it takes to live from love and create an honourable relationship. So thank you for joining me today. I hope the nine lessons that I've shared from, um, you know, what I learned from the divorce and how it was one of the biggest wake-up calls and blessings in my life has made a difference to you in terms of what it takes to craft an amazing relationship. And I hope it's opened up something, an idea or, you know, just, yeah, an idea or uh, a learning that, empowers you to choose to live from love over choosing to live from fear and hey if it's all complicated the only thing that you need to ask yourself is put your hand on your heart and say what would love do thanks for joining me have an awesome day sending lots of love and i look forward to our next episode together take care now bye